All of the desktop tweakers cried out in pain at the same time. I completely agree with everything that Mike has said. He is so smart and the best on the show. Yeah. Uh, fist fight, fist fight. But he's not here, so he doesn't count. It's actually, it's pronounced team wrong. I can't trust it. This is episode 358.5. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Joe. Hello. Tony Hughes. Hi, guys. Moss. Hello there. And Mike. Hey, hey. And we're recording on Sunday, April 4th, 2021. In our innards section, we cover GNOME 40 and try to keep it RMS-free. And finally, the feedback and a couple suggestions. All right. Well, then we'll head down to the Linux innards. We've made it, and everybody has converted to GNOME 40, so um, I guess we'll be closing up this podcast here pretty soon, right? Woohoo. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> My name is on top, but I refuse to go first. So, uh, Joe, you're next up, so I'm just going to put you in front of the train. How about that? Oh, okay, because you refuse to go first? <laughs> yeah, of course. I went first earlier in the show, so uh, I can't do it. Oh, all right, all right. Well, anyways, um, GNOME 40, it's a lot like uh, GNOME 3, the end. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. You know, you're not wrong. Yeah, I know. I, I know I'm not wrong. Really, once again, like regular GNOME, it's mostly garbage without proper modification. But what has worked really well for me, I, I still really dislike the bear install after I added it to Endeavor. But when I used Garuda GNOME and I put in the Manjaro alpha update to 40 with, with the... <clears throat> All the customizations that they already have there, it worked very well. Hot Corners is very useful with a mouse, but it, the Hot Corners don't go off with the touch screen is what I noticed. And I didn't know about the three-finger swiping to do things. I will have to test that out later. Now, the dual view of all the applications and workspaces works really well for me. Um, it allows me to use the different workspaces much more effectively. Um, it looks and works very smooth on Garuda, but it is definitely not raw GNOME 40. A lot of theming was involved, and the best thing about it was I didn't have to do it myself. All the theming is already there for me. Um, such as the bare version, I noticed that the right click still isn't set, still doesn't work. But in Garuda, it gave access to all the background setup. Hang on. Uh, so, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So, like, when you right click on the desktop? Yeah, on the desktop. So it it literally did nothing. Yes, bare oh. gnome does nothing when you right click on the desktop. 
I feel like that's because, and and we ran into this in Linux user space when we were doing XFCE, the 4.16. When they just dropped it, we decided to try it out and see what was up with it. And it didn't come with whisker menu. Mm. So you actually missed a huge amount of what XFCE is by installing it via Endeavor. And this is not a dig against Endeavor. This is just, don't forget, on versions of Arch like Endeavor, they don't do everything for you. You have to go out and, you know, go find these scripts and go find these softwares and make sure that they're in so you get that real XFCE experience. Like when you go to xfce.org or whatever, wherever they're at. With GNOME 3, they have these the screenshots. first time I installed Fedora, I had the same issue where right-click did absolutely nothing on the desktop and I had to manually go and set it up where right-click would, would be active. Oh, that's weird because uh, in my, my GNOME 40 uh, experience is the opposite of that. It does work. So weird. Depends on where you get it, I guess. But uh, yeah, in Garuda, it's just uh, you right click and it uh, gives you access to change the background image and, and some settings. It's not like a huge menu there. It's just a couple of things. Um, and I do like the way GNOME handles the super key showing all the running applications and allowing you to search all the installed applications and the repos at the same time that you use for things that are not installed. Which is really nice, um, since the hot corner doesn't really work with the touch tablet. Tablet itself does have a super key button, and that works really well. You just hit that, and off you go. What if you, can you not tap activities in the top left? You can. Okay, so. Hit the top left, and then a menu drops down, and then you have to hit activities from there. You can do that. That is possible. Oh. It's just that extra step. Right. So I can't just, you know, wave up into the corner the way I was expecting to and then have that uh, menu come up that shows me everything. And then I also did have to do a bit of tweaking to get the onboard keyboard to pop up, but I was kind of expecting that. In most Linux distros, it's that way, even with a tablet. So yeah, like I was saying before, not much different from uh, the GNOME I've seen in the past. It's not a massive leap forward or a massive change. It's an incremental thing. Right. Do you want to go now, Leo, or do you want to go last? I'm gonna. You know what? I'm just gonna go last. I want to hear what y'all think about it because I, I feel like I, I think the exact opposite. <laughs> Mike, we 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 know you loved gnome, and you're a big gnome. It was your favorite. I, you're converting. You're converting. Just say no to gnome. That's my that's my oh. upcoming tattoo. Wait, but... gno to gnome. Yep. <laughs> Gnope. But uh, yeah, it's uh, like Joe said, if, you know, there's really not a huge change. They, they haven't done a lot over these past 36 iterations that I've missed between uh, GNOME 3 to GNOME 40. If uh, pretty much if you, if you liked GNOME before, you'll still like it. And if you hated it before, you'll still hate it. My job is very, is very mouse driven. So just kind of by habit when I'm not working, I, I still use the mouse a lot. And GNOME is how it's always been. If you use a mouse, it's really not very good. You'll spend a lot of time traveling all around the screen, clicking here and there. When I have used GNOME in the past, I've used the the Ubuntu version of it. So I'm used to having the kind of the sidebar over there with all your your your, uh, favorite programs and then the actively running ones. So without that, because I installed this on Fedora Beta, uh, without that sidebar, I, I just found it to be incredibly annoying. If I had more than one program running, Whatever was not the active program was just kind of hidden in the background, and there wasn't a clear way that I could see, like you know, like a panel. You didn't to... have a bottom bar. I had the uh, the top panel, but it didn't. It would only show my active window in the top panel. It wouldn't show all of the programs that I had mm-hmm. running. Yeah, and this is just a, a GNOME workflow thing where if you have multiple windows open, you can Alt 
tab, but they don't give you window previews. So if you have like eight terminals open, you know, well, good luck trying to figure out which one switch. The the I, I guess the the gnome way to deal with that is to you know hot corner top left, get all of the windows splayed out. And if you're on a really, really small screen, get to squinting so you can see which particular window it is that you want. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree on that. I mean, I, I, it's kind of limiting in a way by not having a list of running applications. I mean, like here in Mint, I've got the single icon ones. And, you know, when I'm selected on one, it's got the whole title up there. So, you know, you know what's going on in the background. Whereas in GNOME, because of the way that they do that uh, thing, uh, I, don't, I always forget what you call that thing, but you get that menu in the top bar and then you get the window itself that um, it, it limits your visibility into what's going on. You have to look at your workspaces to figure that out. Yeah. And Was that thing one or thing two? Thing three, thing three. actually. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was killing me when I was, I was trying to use GNOME to, to type up my show, no, uh, show notes one night. And so just going back and forth between LibreWriter and Firefox over and over again, both were in full screen. And so it was just really killing me to have to... I'm used to just going down to the panel and, and clicking one then clicking the other. And uh, on GNOME, it was just a real huge pain. Oh, uh, see, see, now, if you were on a laptop, there would be a solution to that. And that would be three fingers swipe to the left, and you can move to the next full screen, uh, screen and then three, uh, three fingers swipe to the right, and you come back. To the other one, so you're kind of back and forthing or whatever. But on a desktop, you typically don't have a trackpad. Exactly, and and aside from that, it was just all my usual gnome annoyances poke their heads up. I, I hate, I really despise the theming on vanilla gnome, if you even want to call it that. <laughs> uh, institutional beige. I, I don't know who came up with that, but and then really just the uh, the extensions still are a huge thorn in my side. I, I hate having yeah. to go elsewhere to get extensions for your, for your operating system that should just really be in there by default. Yeah, I tend to agree. And, you know, one of the points that I want to make about the extensions is that, yes, you can go to a website and get a list of extensions, but controlling them is not doable by default. Right. And the, the extensions the, app. Yeah. What, what, what was that? Well, I was just going to say, and it, it was funny how before, I don't, I don't know if they've changed it because I honestly didn't even bother with extensions this time, but Previously, you would have to get an extension for Firefox to be able to manage your extensions for GNOME. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they changed that, but I do remember that, actually. Um, I, I, I'm in the same boat. I did not go out and get any extensions. I'm, I'm trying to get along with uh, Vanilla GNOME. I have decided, though, that I do need one extension, and I think that's probably dashed to dock. I don't want the dock on the screen. I don't care. It's fine. I just don't want it on the bottom when you go to the activities menu because, uh, uh, same as you, Mike, I tend to be mouse driven when I'm on a desktop and that means that I use the hot corner and when my mouse goes to the hot corner, it's annoying to have to go all the way to the bottom <laughs> to get your stuff. Like put it back where it was because that was very convenient for the hot corner. And right. if you're, if you're going to keep the hot corner idea and you're just, you have to keep the, by default, the dock on the bottom, move the hot corner. The hot corner has got to go to the bottom somewhere because otherwise it's just so much travel. And on a 1440p screen... You should be able to set that, shouldn't you? Well, not without an extension or a tweak. And that's that's kind of my point. With the extensions, you have to go out and get the extensions app. And that doesn't live in uh, any repository unless you're in Arch and it might live in uh, the AUR or something like that. You have to go to Flathub to get it. So in, in Fedora, what I was using, I had, to go to, I had to enable Flathub before I could install extensions and then I can go install extensions. 
no, that's a lot of work. And the other thing is tweaks, right? I, I need a minimize button. I got to have it. I can't not have a minimize button. So I have to go get tweaks, which is not in FlatHub. It's in the repo. So you have to get that from the repo, and then you can, can customize your desktop. So if you want full control of your desktop, you have to install uh, or, or enable FlatHub and install extensions so that you can deal with extensions. And then you also have to install tweaks so that you can deal with the rest of your desktop. That's a lot. That should just come shipped. That that should just be part of GNOME. I, I don't know why it's not. Yeah, agreed. And, and that's something that I really thought that they would have taken care of because, you know, not, not to be disparaging to the GNOME developers because I know they work hard on this and a lot of people love it. But I would say, I mean, most of the, a, a lot of the complaints that I've heard about GNOME in the past have have centered on these things about extensions and about theming. And yeah. I, I was just surprised that they put almost no work into that whatsoever for this big major 40 release. Yeah, and I wanted I wanted the dark theme, uh, Edwida Dark. So you, I don't know, where did you do GNOME 40, Mike? I did it through uh, Fedora Beta. Oh, okay. I, don't, I didn't get the beige. It was a, it was a very gray. Uh, I would say institutional gray, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted uh, Edwida Dark. I needed it to be dark. And you can't do that without tweaks. So the two things that I cared about, I had to get a pe- one piece of software to do the one thing that I wanted, and then another piece of software to do the other thing that I wanted. And that, that was just, it was annoying to do that. I, I'm, I'm fine to do it. I will do it because I know how I like things. But the fact that I had to get two tweaky tools to do what I wanted was mm, not my favorite. And if you're a new user who's never used Linux oh, yeah, before, let alone that. GNOME, yeah, you'd never figure this out. You would just say, well, I guess this is how this operating system looks and it's ugly. I, I don't like it. I want to go back to Windows. Yeah. I, I just hope you like the way that it looks out of the box, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tony, what did you think? Well, I, I got mixed up. I didn't realize this wasn't yet a final release. So I went on Endeavor and tried to install it there and still got the 3.38.4. But even that, you know, um, GNOME to me is an anathema. You know, I come from a Windows background. When I got into Linux, I used GNOME 2 uh, and it was very Windows-esque. When um, Ubuntu went to Unity on the desktop, that's when I I abandoned it. And GNOME 3 is Unity with a different face, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see the point of installing something that will never work properly for me and having to spend an hour to two hours to getting it halfway to where I want it to be able to use my system when I can just install Mate or Cinnamon. And all, it worked perfectly. The, all of the desktop tweakers cried out in pain at the same time. <laughs> but I like spending two hours customizing my desktop. <laughs> I install Linux. And if I install Mate or to a certain extent Cinnamon, you know, it's a little bit more flashy. And I've got to say, it's not too bad. Um, but, you know, if I install one of those two, I don't have to do anything. It right. works. And I can just do what I want to do. Install my software and get on with the job. Exactly. Whereas if I install GNOME, I'm can't I can't work out figure out how to use it. And then I go and do all these tweaks to get it halfway usable and it takes hours to get it going. It's just so easier to not fight not for with me. it. It's with not Matei, for me. you do one or two tweaks and there's something you can just do in seconds. Yeah. yeah, if yeah. I need to, but most of the time I just leave it as stock Mate on Mint uh, 20.1 20, uh, 20. or yeah. 
uh, as I'm currently using uh, 19.3 on the desktop. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Tomas, surely you're converted. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, Gnome 40 is too new to get on any distro I would actually use. I will probably hate it anyhow. When Pop! OS updates, I'll see what they did with it. It is amazing how tolerable GNOME 3.38 is on Pop! when I can't stand it anywhere else. I will point out that I've been talking to Dale Miracle about this quite a bit. He has a brand new System76 Pangolin laptop. Uh, all AMD, and he is getting to like Pop! OS, even though he too hates GNOME. Wow, so in... It- in spite of the fact that Gnome is not uh, his favorite, he's still getting along with it okay. Me too. I've, yeah. I've got System76 on my Kudu uh, for a number of reasons. But, yeah, the the hotkeys are sane. You don't have to do three or four fingers to, to get a hotkey run when you can just do a two finger. Yeah, it's just It works better. It's thought out better. And wherever Gnome goes, you also know that the next update, they're going to break all your extensions anyhow. Right, right. So that's it for me. All right, who can do the best Josh impression? Well, I'll do, I'll do it because I think he wanted me to read this anyway. Okay, before before you do it, uh, Josh said he was listening and he told me about the global menu. It's called the global menu. Mike, you can't say it. Okay. So Josh <laughs> starts off by saying, I completely agree with everything that Mike has said. He is so smart and the best on the show. Oh, thanks, awesome. Josh. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. So <laughs> I don't see that in my show notes. Where did you get that, Mike? <laughs> it's, it's in Discord. He's, he's typing it to me live as we oh, talk. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So Josh says that this is... He misspelled Joe? <laughs> he says... Uh, Josh also says that he pronounces it Damon. Oh, don't. Uh-uh. <laughs> but anyway, Josh says, uh, best gnome release yet. I That's Gnome. Oh, I am not a GNOME fanboy by any means, but this has been really nice overall. Cool guy emoji with shades. That, that's that's. I need to I need to emphasize that he really did put the emoji in there. So I need y'all to know that yeah, cool guy with shades is is actually in the show notes. <laughs> first things first, and now that here we are, all caps. Working touchpad gestures. This has been the most amazing part of GNOME 40. No need, no need to configure. You can just use three fingers to navigate your desktop. I really like this feature because it reminds me of Mac OS. He stole that from me. Ah. <laughs> and that workflow is really nice with a touchpad. The only downside to this is it only works in Wayland and gaming does not work in Wayland. So if you're a gamer, the biggest new feature of GNOME 40 is mute. I don't know what that means. Maybe, but, maybe he's talking about the uh, like a single button to mute stuff. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't even notice that in GNOME, so I'm not too sure what he's talking about there, but yeah. Mute exists. Uh, Wayland is so much smoother than Xorg by far. I cannot wait till Wayland is fully integrated in all Linux desktops. As I mentioned before, gaming does not work with Wayland, so if you're a gamer, Wayland is not yet ready. One, gro- uh, one gripe other than the gaming thing is if your touchpad is really sensitive, it can be hard to navigate things. And, oh, here we go. Look, he actually does mention me. Let me conflict on that one. Uh, if you're a gamer and have an NVIDIA card, Wayland is not yet ready. This is true, mm-hmm. because Wayland does work in most games for me, though there is a slight performance penalty in Wayland that, that I seemed to detect, which was weird. Hmm. Uh, Josh goes on to say, to Mike's point about Windows being hidden while using a mouse, that is what the hot corner is. Oh, oh okay. 
So that is what the hot corner is for. Well, Josh, if you were listening, we Leo and I do not like the hot corner because it's way too far away from everything else. It's too far. Stop. Put it back. Put the <laughs> it's thing also back. too hot. Josh says uh, the hot corner acts like hitting the super key or doing the three-finger swipe. And then he finishes up by saying, I really did not hit any bugs, so that's a good thing. So I know so, that uh, I know that Josh. Don't forget does the like thumbs no... up emoji. Oh, and thumbs you gotta up emoji. Say the thumbs, yeah. thumbs up emoji. Thumbs up emoji. And uh, yeah, I know that Josh actually did have a good time with Gnome. Uh, he liked it a lot. So there's another person who's giving the thumbs up emoji for Gnome Forty. There it is. And and one other point, he said uh, in that last message about mute. Uh, he said Wayland uh, Wayland and gaming doesn't work in Wayland. So if your game are the biggest feature of Gnome Forty is moot. He meant to put moot oh. in there. <laughs> and I was, yeah, it makes more sense. It makes more sense. <laughs> all right. So, all right. I think most everybody covered pretty much all the stuff I was going to talk about, which was the three finger. Oh, you know, nobody mentioned, we, we mentioned gestures in general, but we didn't really talk about what they did. So the three finger swipe up is pretty fantastic. Okay. Here's how I can be okay with the fact that the, that the launcher thing is on the bottom. You just don't use the hot corner. Now that's, that's it's fairly impossible. Well, Super no, key. no, I take that back. You, on the desktop, your best course of action is to put your mouse down at the bottom of the screen and hit the super key, and then you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to click. It's easy peasy. If you're on a laptop with a trackpad that supports multi-touch gestures, then put your mouse down at the bottom and three finger swipe up, and it opens up the activities overview as well. I think I prefer three finger salute on this one. <laughs> <laughs> And um, another three-finger swipe up will get you App Grid, which is actually kind of cool. Um, you can now folderize all your apps and kind of d- decide how they how they need to be in that uh, in that App Grid. So I think that's really cool. That makes it really nice. It, you kind of have a favorites inside of your favorites area. Um, that was kind of cool. So they don't like icons on your desktop, but they'll give you a folder to put them in. Basically, but it's not on the desktop that you do it. You have to go to Ubuntu for that, at least if you want it by default. And uh, the three-finger swipe left and right. So uh, I'm not really a Workspace fan, but uh, the fact that it's super-duper easy now to move from left to right, I don't have to, you know, control, alt, left, up, down, one, five, and seven, and then I can move to the next Workspace. Um, now that it's just a swipe, I might be and able Pop to integrate these into my workflow a little bit better. Now, that was an exaggeration. I think it really is. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Okay, maybe a huge exaggeration, but... Um, yeah, it was never natural, and it's different for every DE, so just the swipe is super easy. Now, how do you feel about the about them changing the orientation of the of the workspaces layout? Now, I don't actually care. It, it does not break me at all because, number one, I don't use workspaces a lot. But when I do use workspaces, my mind immediately goes to where I first learned about them, which was on GNOME 2, and they were horizontal there. Yeah. And then it was Cinnamon, and they're horizontal there. And then there's Plasma, and they're horizontal there. And then there's Mate, and it's horizontal there. So uh, it's fine. I, I don't understand why they went vertical in the first place, though I didn't mind them when they were vertical either. You know, it was, I don't know, it was fine with me. When you opened up activities, they were there, lined up top to bottom on the right-hand side. So it made sense to my brain at the time. And, you know, now that they're horizontal across the top, it still makes sense to my brain. So it doesn't bother me one way or the other. Uh, and the swipes are just super easy. Yeah. You know why? Actually, that's probably why they did them horizontal. Because swipe up, were, they were planning to do the activities overview, so they couldn't use that for swapping workspaces. Maybe it was just that simple. Yeah, hey, that's fine. I, I still think that's the best change that they made was just kind of lining it up with the rest of the industry and having them horizontal. Yeah. yeah. So. 
Yeah, if you got multi-monitors and you're one of those use cases, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> I mean, everybody else does it horizontal too. So, uh, yeah, it, it was inevitable maybe. Um, yeah, the other thing that I, that I really didn't like was, uh, as I mentioned before, the extensions app you have to go get and it's Flathub and then you have to go get tweaks and that's in the repo, at least in Fedora it is. And it's, it's, it's just annoying to have to go gather all this stuff up before you can actually really tweak your desktop if you want to do that. And the fact that it's not bundled is just an extra little inconvenience that you have to deal with. Um, so, yeah. Uh, mm. But other than that, that is all of the gripes that I have about it. I, I, that was it. It's the fact that you had to get those softwares is, is the biggest thing. And, oh, I didn't mention, but X does not support three-finger anything. So if you go to X to do OBS and then you're like, oh, let me get to my activities, whatever, and you swipe, it doesn't work. It does not work. So you can better, you better get that super key ready. Um, but every other experience inside of there, once I got those softwares installed and I could tweet, I could add my minimize button. I swapped over to Edwida Dark. Um, I was able to configure extensions, though I actually didn't end up doing any of that. I did have the app, though, because um, I installed Flathub as a matter of course anyway. I, I need other software from there. and. After that, it, it, was, it was very fluid. One of my most favorite things about GNOME 40 is that it's more performant than GNOME 3.38. And that is a huge win in my book because my laptop is not the most powerful thing in the world. It's got integrated Intel graphics on a 5000 series chip and it's on the lower end of the spectrum. So that means that it doesn't do a lot of graphics. It's not fast when it comes to that. Plasma was always my go-to because you could kind of tweak the animation, speed them up, slow them down, turn them off if you needed to. In, in GNOME, I don't even know how to do that. It might be in tweaks. It probably isn't, though. Um, so the fact that things are faster and smoother is amazing. The only time I noticed a, I guess, slowdown where, it, where, where things were not smooth was going into the activity or the uh, activities overview with an application open. So... If it was just a blank screen, it would be smooth. The moment I got an application onto it, that extra amount of rendering really started to make things a little chunky. But everything else, everything else in GNOME 40 was fine. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm probably going to keep Fedora on this laptop for a while. So, yeah, GNOME 40 is pretty decent. So that, that is the, uh, that's the, I'm the only one on this side of the field, aren't I? Yeah, just you and Josh. Oh, yeah, Josh liked it too, but he's not here, so he doesn't count. True. Very true. <laughs> so hey, You got a not terrible for me, so... Okay, so you're, you're in the middle, and then everybody else is on the other side of the screen. Okay, fine. Fine. So, Leo, does that mean you're going to change your daily driver as far as your desktop environment Ooh, goes? Ooh, no. And, and let me tell you why. Uh, at least not yet. Maybe one day, but it's not, not anytime soon. Because uh, the last time I dailyed, Fedora, which was 33, I think it was, easy tag that was available in, in the repo broke the AUG. If you go back, I think it's in the 330s or maybe 340s, uh, one of those episodes uh, just didn't go to Spotify. It just didn't go. And it turns out later on, Owen told me about this. He's like, hey, um, did you post it? And I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, we just, we just didn't, uh, he didn't get it. And so I dig into it and I download the AUG like I normally do and I double click on it. It played before I posted it, even after EasyTag handled it. But I downloaded it again from Archive and it didn't play. The, the celluloid or whatever decided to play it was like, uh, un, I don't understand this format. 
And I'm like, dude, it's Aug. What do you mean? And so after the next show rolls around that I'm going to post, um, I download the Augs. I you know get everything and I tag everything and then I save it and then I test it and I test it and I upload it to uh, to archive. And as soon as it hits archive, it does not play through archive. So I'm like, something is broken. Something is really broken. I don't know, I don't know what it is. And so I, I download it again, still broken on my desktop. And I reboot into Linux Mint, retag everything, put it up in archive, works just fine. So I finally whittle it down to the version of easy tag that was that I was getting in Fedora or maybe something in Fedora. I could never get the actual reason for why was, this was broken. The AUG would break in Fedora every single time. And one thing that you cannot do is break my workflow. That's the entire point of why I'm using a particular distro is that my workflow is not hindered by the things that that you do on the desktop side. So it's busted. Can't bust this for me. So that's one thing I got to test. If easy tag works again, I will consider using Fedora again as a daily. But until then, I can't trust it. So yeah. Anyway, that was a big long segue that I didn't intend on getting into, but uh, I never actually talked about it in the show. So there you go. <laughs> so I got to ask, are we going to talk about this last topic or are we just going to say no? No. 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 All right. Any, anybody? What, I, don't, we I, have I, a, I honestly don't, I don't. I don't have a preference. We can or we can't. I'm okay either way. Okay. Any last words? All right. Well, then that means we'll head down to vibrations from the ether. If we're going to get uh, tweets and messages, hey, what were you going to talk about after all? <laughs> it wasn't wasn't anything important. It's a secret project no. that Clem's been working on. He didn't want us to tell, <laughs> but we were going to. Uh, you guys can just have to wait. Oh, man. Now I yeah. want to know. <laughs> all right. Well, feedback. Feedback time. And here we go. We have... A message from Len. Now, okay. All right. Joe responded to this, but I don't... uh, Okay. Let's just read it. So it says, Hi, I enjoy your podcast and listen regularly. Enjoyable. However, I would like to check something in the notes. Problem is, where are the show notes? I've checked at www.mintcast.org and can't seem to locate them. Joe, you responded. What did you say? Joe is gone. So Joe responded. He spelled Mintcast wrong. Oh, did no, he didn't. (laughs) Did he really? It says Mincast right there oh, in the my. show notes. Oh, wait. No, that was, that's the... Oh, you know what? <gasps> that was it. That was... I didn't even <laughs> see that. Hold on. Is, is that for real? Okay. Now I'm, I got to go back in the email. Maybe I just typed it wrong. But, oh, no. I can't even type my password right. Do not count You, you the just strokes. did copy and paste, didn't you? Yeah. This would be the easiest solution we've well, ever had to give couldn't out. have typed it wrong. Sure enough, I did not notice it the first time. Len... Joe had the answer, and the answer was Adity Mintcast. That's the answer. Where does Mintcast go? Nowhere. Okay. Well, that's why, Len. Um, yep. Add that T after the N and before the C and hit enter. So next up, this is a long one. Uh, Tony, I'm going to throw you to the wolves on this one. It's okay. I probably won't understand it, but uh, let's go. So uh, Hank Barter writes... A couple of mentions on the most recent show caught my attention. First was the laptop that got dropped and survived. 
I have a Dell XPS 13 9370, and it headed for the floor, landing on the USB-C charging connector. Ouch. The connector was bent, and I feared that the motherboard, uh, where the socket undoubtedly was mounted, would also be damaged. It no longer charged. I ordered a third-party charger and PD cable, uh, capable cable, and held my breath when I plugged it in. It seemed to work and has worked fine since, and that was a year ago in January. On to the XPS 13. I'm very happy with mine, with the exception uh, of the killer Wi-Fi card. I've experienced frequent connection drops and occasional solid hangs, as in hold the power button for about 20 seconds to reset. I'd replace it if it wasn't soldered to the motherboard. Occasionally, I search for a solution, and to be honest, it does not seem to be getting better. Yesterday, I found this. It does seem to be getting better. Yeah, it does seem to be getting better, yeah. And and then he goes on to uh, give us a link to a Bugzilla Bugzilla bugzilla.kernel.org where he uh, found a a fix. I implemented the fix, disabled power saving, and I haven't had a dropped package. I haven't dropped a package since. Another thing I recommend is the Dell Command Configure, configure Utility app, and then he gives a link to that. Uh, it allows you to tweak settings that would otherwise require going into the BIOS. I use it to set charging parameters. On to charging parameters. I believe that charging the battery to 100% or let it running run to 0% is bad for the battery. I t- typically set the BIOS to charge to about 65% and switch to, uh, and switch to 95% if I'm going off-grid. Uh, my battery health remains at 95% where it was when you, uh, when you nearly four years ago. Wow, that's really impressive. Wow, no yeah, joke. It is. One last thing I find useful is the Cable Matters USB-C hub with HDMI, Ethernet, and an additional USB port or US uh, and additional USB ports. Solid performer. I hope you enjoy your XPS 13 as much as I enjoy mine. One more thing. I'm a huge fan of ZFS. Uh, I've had it on my XPS 13 since I first installed Linux, Debian Stretch at the time. I have to exp- uh, no experience with BTRFS or ButterFS, if you want to pronounce it that way. I'm reluctant to use something... Uh, that is described as rock solid, as long as you don't. <laughs> no such qualifications with ZFS. I don't understand why RAID Z2 is dep- uh, depreciated, as in why would anyone want to use that? Deprecated. Yeah. Deprecated, is it? Sorry. I have five drives in RAID Z2 uh, in my backup server, and I'm confident that any two drives can fail, I've lost no data. I could assemble uh, a volume using pairs of mirrored drives and also be insured against two drive failures, as long as both drives in one pair don't fail. I've used this configuration with both ZFS and MDADM raids and replaced failing drives, sometimes without shutting down, with no drama. Thanks again for an interesting podcast. You know what? We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Brad Alexander have to write us another email telling us that Raid Z two is not deprecated. I I couldn't find any 
reference to that. I didn't think it's deprecated. It, like those could be degraded if one of the drives die or something like that. But I don't. I couldn't find any info on Raid Z2 being deprecated. So may, maybe I'm just late to the party. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Josh is our resident ButterFS expert. Uh, he knows absolutely everything there is to know about ButterFS. So the next time he's on the show, we're going to bombard him with every single question that we can possibly come up with about ButterFS. And it's just going to be the whole, um, you know, it's just going to be a whole ButterFS show. And we'll, we'll, well, I'm just going to hand the show to him and it's going to be Josh talking for an hour. That's how it's going to work. And now Matthew wants to talk more about ButterFS. <laughs> That's right. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk more about that. I can read this one. And uh, Matthew says, Hello, Mintcast. Regarding Mintcast 356.5, itty-bitty living space and your discussion of compression, have you considered discussing ZFS and ButterFS? ZFS and ButterFS integrate all of the following into the file system itself. Automatic file compression, automatic data integrity checking, automatic error detection and correction, exportable atomic snapshots, multi-disk redundancy, and live adding and removing of drives. So that's it. Um, yeah, see, Josh, it's, it's too late. You might, you might still be listening. I don't know if you are, but if you are, um, yeah, well. Hmm. Call us now. Shows. Phone lines are open now. Call us, Josh. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're the fifth caller. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested in both, really. I, ButterFS more because it's in the kernel. It's already baked into the kernel. And with 5.11, you're going to get a lot of the features. Jo Josh would tell us that 5.11 is going to come down with a lot of the new ButterFS features that, um, you know, that were not available in 5.8 and 5.4. So, I mean, ButterFS is getting better all the time. And I know ZFS is getting better all the time as well, but it's out of tree. So unless you're running on an Ubuntu kernel, you have to go and... and I don't know if you still have to compile ZFS for yourself on Linux or if OpenZFS is just way easier to deal with now, but you've got to do some extra steps to get it in. And I don't know, that it just gives me a slight amount of less confidence if it's not baked into the kernel, right? It doesn't have that Torvalds seal of approval on it. So it's all right, Leo. I've been out of my tree a long time. <laughs> um, so I, I I agree, Matthew. Honestly, we need to talk more about ButterFS. I need to use it more so I can learn it more so that I can talk about it in a more intelligent way other than saying, oh, yeah, it didn't explode on me because, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. My uh, my important data lives on ButterFS, but, you know, I don't really do snapshotting. I just do one-to-one -one mirroring uh, to another drive. So I need to look more into these kinds of things. But I also need a ton of disks to play with to do this stuff. And same with ZFS. I'm going to, uh, Josh, Josh actually worked on a video for me the other day. He, uh, he made a video of him installing ButterFS on one of his, uh, one of his systems. So I'm going to, uh, at some point this week, I'm going to spin up a VM of something and install ButterFS just so I can start getting the lay of the land and kicking the tires on it a bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's good software. It's a good file system. Both of them are actually. Um, but yeah, just ButterFS seems to be the one that I would gravitate toward just because it's baked in. Yep. Well, speaking of the devil, Brad Alexander wrote us again. And, uh, you know, I feel like uh, I feel attacked. So, Moss, uh, I'll let you take it away. <laughs> attacked, yeah. Attacked, uh, yes. Brad writes, stop with the tack, you millennial. You misspelled millennial, but that's okay. Okay, a couple of things. First, LastPass has put the final nail in their own coffin. Uh-huh. 
as of last Tuesday, March 16th, LastPass Free started restricting that access to a single, quote, active device type, end quote. That means essentially that you'll either need to choose a mobile device or a computer. You can have multiple devices, but only one type of device. What's worse than that, though, is the way that that choice was made. It's not like you click a checkbox for mobile or computer devices. It is the first thing you log in with or on or after the 16th of March. Way to drive off potential paying customers last pass. No joke. Wow. Like, so typically I would assume that a, that something like this would be, hey, these are all the devices that you've logged into before. Pick the one that you want to, you know, bless and that will be that type of device for Latin. No, it's just, it's just a dumb, here you go. That's the one. I hope you logged into the right <laughs> device because otherwise, meh, whatever. Give us some a, money. Talk about a Sophie's choice too. I mean, how would you even decide whether you'd want a password manager on your mobile device or, your, or on your laptop? I, I could never make that decision. They both have such different use cases. Yeah, and God forbid you actually log into with your log into LastPass with your mobile device, and for some reason it decides that it's a desktop or something like that. Like if you had a browser and you logged into LastPass, well, that's it. That's that's your computer from now on. Good luck with your mobile. <laughs> Man, what a. Mm -mm, mm -mm. He goes on to write something I've gotten spoiled with is inline compression on my ZFS data sets on my FreeNAS. Each data set can have various compression methods. LZ4 is the best balance between speed and compression. And as you can see from the attached image, it does a pretty good job of compressing. A lot of them, like media and ISO, are 1.00 because they're non-compressible formats like video files. Meanwhile, you're getting 1.26, 1.45, and even nearly 2, 2 to 1, 1 1.95 compression ratios in some data sets. And the best part? It is all done transparently, so you get that savings without having to worry about it. It's like having extra disk space. Yes, at the cost of CPU, which is fine because he mentioned LZ4 tends to be uh, the least impactful on your CPU, but yet still has uh, an awesome compression ratio, as he mentioned. So ButterFS does have this too, and I, I don't know enough about it to really sound halfway intelligent. I could make it up. But uh, yeah, no, I'd rather just test it and come back with some uh, uh, with some hard data on that, with some hard compression ratios. So, Mike, maybe that's what we do. Maybe we just uh, start easy because I think in kernel 5.11 or 5.10, it's default. If you use ButterFS, the compression is on by default, I think. And then uh, we just need to go see if we can pull out those numbers and see what kind of compression we get off that. I think so too. I, you know, Josh has been getting me pretty excited about this. He's, I, I guess my biggest fear with it was just having to relearn the Linux file system, which I, I thought would happen. Right. I, I thought they kind of changed the tree, but from what he says, it's really not. They may it just maybe change the way they talk about it. He because he was saying something where slash home becomes at home instead, like right. at, at symbol home. So it sounds like it's just maybe minor changes like that to get used to. But then, I mean, it really sounds like all upside from everything that he's trying to sell me on with it. Yeah, the, well, that, my that problem, it, my oh, problem with it is that Clem is not on board with it, and the only distro I can use that will always run and will always let me get my work done is Mint. Right, and, and you, if I don't have ButterFS on Mint, or if I try and force ButterFS onto Mint, then I'm off the grid. You know, right? Exactly. It's not. It's not a supported setup, and I totally get that. And that's why you know Fedora. 
might be a consideration. I mean, not for you, maybe one of the spins, I don't know, but that's that's one thing that they have pushed forward. I mean, they, they're making lots and lots of changes, and I appreciate that Fedora is on the bleeding edge of a lot of these changes. I mean, Pipewire was another one in Fedora that they that you know, just do it, just do it, and you know we'll we'll pick up the pieces after the fact. They did the same thing with Pulse Audio back in the day, and everybody hated it. But I mean, it uh, it it's one of the biggest reasons why Pulse Audio is so good today. So I think uh, the fact that Fedora is championing ButterFS may mean, may mean that we'll one day see it in Ubuntu and that just by extension means we'll likely see it in Mint as well. Well, don't forget Sousa. They've been on ButterFS for True. a long time. Too. There, yeah, and Josh would have reminded us of that fact as well. <laughs> uh, you know, it's almost like Josh is here. I can hear him in the back of my head going, but what about Sousa? Yeah. All right. Now we got two responses that are my favorite responses of all time. <laughs> I'm mine. And, and Tony's, because number, number one, there's a team Leo Tony now, and I love it. This is my favorite thing. So, uh, Londoner writes in, regarding the pronunciation of demon, I'm definitely on team Leo Tony. See, he pronounced that wrong, too, because it's actually, it's pronounced team wrong. Oh, see, I see. That makes a lot of sense, but it's not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So he, he goes on to give us the, um, uh, the Wikipedia. And this is the, one that I, the, this is the one thing that I was using on, uh, during that original argument of Demon. It has them both, but the first one is Demon. So, um, yeah, it says uh, the, the word demon is an alternative spelling of uh, D-A-E-M-O-N is an alternative spelling to demon. It's pronounced D-E-E-M-E-N, demon, in the context of computer software. The original pronunciation uh, demon has drifted to daemon for some speakers. Aha. So how do they pronounce Julius Caesar, which has the same diphthong? Huh? Huh? I it... don't. I just put it on my salad and leave it alone. Oh, I oh, see. Did so... you say uh, who knows middle name again? Julius Caesar. <laughs> That's what it, it is. Say... Sounds like a boxer. It, it, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I grew up uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Say... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. But it's not. It's nope. Nope. Sorry. Okay. It's demon. It is demon. And now we have some ammo. Um, Julio C Cesar in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because honestly, honestly, it's it's wrong there too because the pronunciation is Caesar. So Caesar, not yeah. I'm just you know, if we're gonna get technical about it, if we're gonna get technical. So this email, we're gonna get all wadded up about it, not technical. <laughs> anyway, move on to Dave because he he gives us a, a a dictionary definition anyway. Right, and th this has nothing to do with the previous email. Londoner and Dave did not have a chat beforehand, as far as I understand. But nope, it is not a current dictionary. I, but I, all I'm saying is all these people that are coming about Damon say that Damon is an old word, and that's no, why they day. say Damon. Day. But Dave Long writes, day. my Webster's New World Dictionary, notice the word new in it, so I mean, obviously it's new. Copyright 1959 shows the pronunciation of D-A-E-M-O-N to be demon. Oh, how weird. Demon. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, they, they, he's, they, he's taking a, he's taking a, a definition they from Martha's senior year they in high school. Man. Oh my God! Day one, come and me want to go home. 
So we've got we've got a new saga now. It's the demon it's saga. It's the demon saga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, so good. I love the demon saga. There's also um, what is the other one? The GIF saga. We haven't we didn't visit the GIF saga this time. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I, I, I hate that because I know it's supposed to be GIF, but I just can't. That's I can't. I know. Well, I, when they start calling it the giraffics. In interchange format, then I will call it gin. <laughs> look, look, and when when they stop calling it the stop calling the drink gin, maybe I'll consider what you're saying. Mm, a gin and gin and tonic. That's it, gin and tonic. <laughs> all right, so that'll do it for all of our weird sagas. Uh, <laughs> fist fight, fist fight. Let's move down to check this out. a couple of things to talk about. Tony, what do you have for us? I'm excited. Our recent episode of Distro Hoppers, uh, Dale was re- reviewing Debian SID and how to install it using uh, Debian uh, Stable and then changing a few files and folders oh, and things. And gosh, that sounds scary. To, yeah, but there is an easy way to do it. So if you want to go and check out the old tech blokes uh, YouTube channel, he's got a video up on seduction, the bad boy Debian, Debian distro. So, you know, it's an easy way to do it. Cool. Is there, do you know if there is a, just an an ISO with the SID repos in it? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. There's a a couple of distros around. Uh, He does mention them on the video that uh, use SID as the repos, but Seduction was the one he uh, was testing out this time. That's pretty cool. I, I feel like I, would I be... will state that Dale did a superb job of uh, going over how he got Sid installed. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, no, it's cracking. I feel like I would feel more comfortable starting with Debian testing, which I know there are ISOs for, and then swapping to Sid because your packages would be newer and you know, maybe it's this arch where, you know, if the packages are old, it's going to break. I mean, and it doesn't always, but I mean, certainly it does sometimes. And that, I don't know, maybe testing would be a uh, an interesting thing to, th- to look at. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, there's quite a few distros out there that are based on testing. Right, as well. right. All right, Moss, what do you got? Well, just last night, Bodhi6's beta came out. We've been running on the uh, pre-release alpha for the longest time. Uh, it was promised that the distro itself would be final uh quote this autumn this is last year uh so we are making progress i did download and install it on two machines and it looks wonderful i don't know how much needs to be changed to go from beta to final because it looks pretty darn good to me check it out there's a link in the show notes uh i've got uh well it's foss has an article on plausible Privacy-focused analytics. I don't know anything. Read the article. It's a good one. And I've been looking for to-do lists, and uh, it's FOSS recommended Sleek. They called it to-do done right, with the disclaimer that it's an Electron app. Hey, so uh, on that plausible thing, that's actually interesting to me, and it would be interesting to us because uh, the way that we do our analytics on the website is... Jetpack, which is a, a WordPress thing, and plausible. I would assume you could just add it to any site using an HTML block, and it will report all your stats to uh, to plausible, and then you can go look and see trends and all that kind of fun stuff. So this is an alternative, it looks like, to Google Analytics. 
And if you don't want to have anything to do with Google Analytics, and I don't know many that do, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, I say that, I say that, and if anybody's anybody, they're probably dealing with Google Analytics. So, you know, maybe it's just us weirdos over here with the uh, counterculture, this or that. Um, but yeah, th- this looks interesting. Um, and then you can do paid managed hosting or self-hosted on your server and all of this kind of stuff. So it looks like you can just roll it yourself. That is cool. Huh. Okay. I like that. That That's really awesome. All right. And Josh uh, has a little tidbit in here called New Pipe. I don't have an Android phone, so I don't think uh, this affects me at all. But if you have an Android phone and you want to watch YouTube without ads on your phone, New Pipe is your answer. It, and it, it also it also down, lets you download stuff. I've used it on my tablet and it, it's, it's okay, but it doesn't update that well. And uh, Android updates for Things that are not on the Play Store are not always that good. I'm going to make another suggestion from um, XDA developers, which is YouTube Vanced or YouTube Blue, which is the updated version of YouTube Vanced. But yeah, no ads. Um, doesn't show how to like download or anything like that. But uh, once you get it logged in, um, yeah, I think you have to install another application to be able to use your own account with it. But no ads, and it's basically what YouTube, um, the paid service. Oh, Red, or is it still Red? Yeah, it's Red. Okay, yeah, yeah, Red. Well, I know another uh, another one of the benefits of New Pipe, at least, is that uh, Josh was mentioning that it allows you to do background audio with it, so you can start up a video and then just lock your screen and let it let it go in the background for you. Which... Oh my gosh, that is yeah. so annoying to not be able to do. Yeah, so annoying. The, the YouTube app desperately needs that. I, I hate that not having that feature. It's it, no, it does have that if you subscribe to YouTube Red. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you got to pay for it. All right, Mike. Uh, how do I how do I disappear? What is this? <laughs> so last uh, last show, I was talking about how I was uh, spending about ten or twelve hours a week, a couple times a year, uh, deleting my information off of the internet. And uh, as soon as we filmed the, or recorded the very next day. I came across a service called Delete Me, which will actually do that for you. So Delete Me is a service which will go through the internet and delete your personal information from websites and search engines. A um, couple downsides to it is, uh, number one, it, it costs a fee. So if you have more money than you have time, I suppose that's an option for you. But it does cost, I think, $120 annually to do it. And the other downside to this service is that you have to, in turn, trust these people with your personal information because they're going to need all of your personal info to go out and find it and delete it. The real reason why I'm, why I'm even bringing this up here today is if you don't feel like paying and you don't feel like trusting them, they have a uh, DIY guide for free that you can read on their website that'll actually teach you how to go out and delete your own information from all the sites, basically doing the same thing that they're doing, just with a little bit more manpower involved. So that that's really cool because... While it isn't directly, that is how open source works. And that is how a lot of open source projects monetize their, their, their work. They give you the source for free. Like the answer is out there for you to go take and do yourself if you want. But their whole money-making endeavor is basically, well, you could, or you could just let us do it. And that, I think, is fantastic. That's, yeah, oh, oh it's so good. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, it's cool. And I and I had a little peek through their DIY guide and it seems pretty solid. It's pretty much all the s- same stuff that I do. Uh so they're not they're not misleading anyone or or showing anything weird there. It's all it's all pretty pretty solid like I said. So check it out. It's a good guide if you're interested in getting your info off of the internet. 
And you scratched your head, said that's not for me, and you coughed up 120 bucks. Is that right? Uh, I don't think I would ever do that, but... <laughs> but like I said, if you have more money than you have time, feel free. And if, if, you, if you do end up going for the subscription service, uh, hit me up and let me know how it works out for you. For sure. But no, if nothing else, go read uh, how to go do that stuff yourself, because then you'll, you'll be, your eyes will be opened to just how much information out there about you there is. Oh, definitely. All right, that's it. We made it to the end of the show. So I guess this is the point in time where I tell you what you already know, which is in two weeks. Our next episode will be at 2 p.m. Central U.S. time on April 18th, 2021. But I don't need to tell you that. You already know that. Uh, But if you don't know that, then we've also got a little link for you down here at the bottom that will convert to your time zone so you don't have to rack your brain trying to figure out 2 p.m. Central U.S. time. What even is that in my own time zone? Click the link and you don't have to wonder. It does it for you. And it just tells you what time you need to be hanging around. Put us on your phone. Put us on your TV. Chromecast us. Whatever. Whatever. Just uh, sit in and have a listen. For 47% of Americans, that's 3 p.m. <laughs> You're probably right. I do live in a bit of a desert. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Joe, where can we find more of you? Well, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts. I'm on uh, the Linux Link Tech Show, which you can find at www.tllts.org or the Linux Lugcast, www.linuxlugcast.com. We just recorded this last Friday. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email directly, jb at mincast.org. Bo, you can find him at Crowbar Colonel Panic. If you are so inclined, it is a gaming podcast spun off from Mintcast. (laughs) Moss, what about you? You didn't want to hear about me anyhow. I do. I do. I want to hear from you so much that that I gave you an entire show that I'm going to continue listening to. Oh, (laughs) shucks. Well, it's a short one. You don't have time to get bored. Um, Okay, you can get me on It's Moss. I'm on MeWe. I've got several blogs, my music on Bandcamp and various YouTube channels, lots of links in the show notes. I'm at Bardic Triad on Twitter, at Zyvola at hosttux.social on Mastodon, uh, Zyvolananda at protonmail.ch for my email. I've got a sponsor, and it's coming along kind of nice. I've got lots of links. See the show notes. How about you, Tony? Yeah, well, you can find me at HPR. I'm host ID 338. Uh, I've got my occasional blog, tony-hughes.blogspot.com. I'm on Twitter at tonyh1212. Uh, you can get me at th at minkcast.org or distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. And Tony Watts hasn't been here for a while, but you can still get him at twmincast.org or just search him up. Echoes of Savages, the band. Josh Hawk has been here remotely, but you can get him, uh, Josh on Tech at mincast.org, at Josh on Tech on Twitter, and most other social sites. Plus, he's the other half of Crowbar Kernel Panic, so check it out. Mike, what about you? You can email me directly at grouchym at pm.me, or you can hit me up on Discord and Telegram at grouchym. Yeah. Hey, Leo, I'm hey. so bad at self-promotion. What's this about this other show I'm on? Full circle weekly news. Don't forget it. So, so let me, let me, let me come full circle and I will hit that again. So you can find me, leochavez.org, which will likely like wake back up now that I have a little bit more time. Uh, at Leo Chavez on Twitter, 
at leo at c dot i m on mastodon you can also listen to the season finale coming out uh ye- tomorrow if you're listening live yesterday if you're not linux user space uh you can find that at linux user space dot show um and you can no longer from me get your five minute news digest at full circle weekly news that is now moss so i'll leave that in my uh in my wrap up click on that link but you won't hear my voice you'll hear mosses and if nothing else you know it's just uh you can just buy me a coffee so before we leave we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make mint cast possible owen peary for our audio editing josh lowe for all his work on the website Hobstar for our logo and Londoner for our time sync and more and more, more content. Bite Mark Hosting, who just renewed us for a year. Thanks again for hosting mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting all of our audio files. HPR for our backup Mumble room. And of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Midcast.